just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today we are hearing from Sarah Cahill all about her diagnosis of chronic migraine. In this episode, Sarah explains what chronic migraine is, and spoiler alert, it's not just a headache, what inspired her to start sharing her story on her blog Migraine Down Under, how she manages her migraine attacks, what treatments are out there and whether they're available in New Zealand. And then we hear all about the work that she's doing, starting a not-for-profit incorporated society for people living with migraine. It was so great getting to chat to Sarah and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to That's So Chronic. We've been trying to make this interview happen for a little while now, so I'm so thankful that we've found a time to make it work. Now, on the 23rd of June, 2020, 2020, no one ever says 2020, it's just 2020. 2020, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The year that we want to forget. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, on the 23rd of June, 2020, you posted a blog post on migrainedownunder.com and it was titled... I've got a secret. You then yeah. proceeded to tell the world that you have chronic migraine. Fast forward to now, 2022, you are yeah. one of the co-founders of New Zealand's only not-for-profit incorporated society that's supporting people living in New Zealand with migraine disease. So we've got a lot to talk about today. But before we go all the way back to the beginning when this first ever entered your life, I would love to know your definition of chronic migraine because it's not just a headache, is it? It's not. So, and thank you, yeah, for having me on. We have been talking for quite a while, trying to find a time. No, migraine is not just a headache. My definition of chronic, well, there's there's the medical definition of chronic migraine. I guess migraine is actually a neurological condition that's what people I think a lot of people don't understand um it's mostly genetic so it you know it runs in families um it's not just a headache it's pretty much a full body disease yeah I think a lot of the wording the language that we use around migraine has helped to for people just to think that migraine a lot of people talk about getting migraines like I get migraines as though it's a one-off event, whereas the language that we use is that migraine is a disease, it is a neurological disease, and we have migraine attacks. And so I've got chronic migraine, which basically means I have a dull ache behind my right eye every day. And it's a disease that I have to manage every single day. So I'm always thinking that I've got, you know, well, not something 
wrong with me, but it's something is not quite right in my brain. And that's migraine disease. And depending on a lot of different factors, a lot of different triggers, I might get a migraine attack. And that's what people classically think of is when they say, oh, I'm get, she's got a migraine or I get migraines, is that kind of often it's a three day attack. You will feel like pain behind your right eye or p- pain on one side of your face, often behind your eye or on your forehead. And that will last for classically, it will last for about 72 hours and then it disappears again. Right. Chronic migraine is when you have over 15 days of headache days and eight of those are migraine. So that's probably what I have had for a number of years. I started uh, with episodic migraine, which a lot of people have. Those are the classic, you know, you might go for a few months without a migraine attack and then you get a migraine for three days and then it disappears. And then that slowly morphed into chronic migraine that I have more headache days more headache days than non-headache yeah. days a month and um, that is changing actually I kind of used to classify myself as saying I've got chronic migraine but now I feel as I'm actually clawing my way back to episodic with a lot of you know a lot of hard work over the past few years um, wow. but yeah probably getting less migraine days less headache days but it also affects it has a full body effect for myself I've got migraine uh, without aura a lot of people get aura where they get the blurry vision or yeah. they get loss of vision Lots of people get have um, vestibular migraine, which they get dizziness, hemiplegic migraine, which is like a stroke. There's a lot of different types of migraine and a lot of different types of headache conditions. But yeah, yeah migraine is definitely a full body disease that can affect your, your stomach, yeah. can affect your gut, it affects everything. Um, nausea and vomiting, dizziness, all that sort of thing can come with it. So it's very misunderstood mm-hmm. and a lot of people might have a headache and they say, I've got a migraine and you're like, no, you, no, yeah. you don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was a very long winded answer for what a, what migraine is, but it is, I think the important thing for, you know, people to know is that it is a neurological condition. Yeah. And it's mostly genetics. So when you mentioned that this started in the like episodic sense, yeah. When did you first start to notice, oh, this is a migraine? Or when did you first even go to somebody to talk about it with them? So migraine, I guess, has always been part of my life. My mum uh, has migraine attacks throughout her life. My gran, it's, we've got really strong yeah. mig- migraine genes. So it was just something I was just like, oh, you know, the language I used to before, oh, I'm getting a migraine, I get migraines. That's the language, I, you know, that's the way I, I thought about it for a long time because I would um, probably in my early 20s, I would start um, with these three-day, what I call headaches, migraine headaches. And they weren't really a problem. Like I kind of, because it was just something that was part of me, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll take, I think, you know, years ago, I probably would try Panadol and that sort of thing. Didn't really understand what was happening. And I might only have a migraine attack once every few months. So it really didn't. It really didn't matter too much and because I've it's always been in my life not that you didn't take it seriously but it was just oh yep and you know take some medications Mm -hmm. and then three days later you're you're fine because I guess had you grown up watching that happen to your mum as well yeah exactly yep so it was just normal and it was just yeah people just oh yeah it's just migraine and it's it's fine and probably at that stage it was just a few days of pain you know now I kind of get nausea and I get quite fatigued with it kind of washed out and so it Mm -hmm. I guess affects me more and I mean I've got kids and everything maybe you know notice it a bit (laughs) notice it a bit more and it wasn't until so I just kind of took um, medications as my GP 
prescribed tryptans, which are a type of medication that you take during a migraine attack. And it wasn't until, so I've got two children and I had them in 2010 and 2011. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until after that, a few years after I had my boys, that I started noticing that kind of every day I had a headache. I didn't have a migraine. But every day I had a headache. There weren't many days that I was going, my head is completely clear. And so that was kind of some warning bells of going, actually, maybe these are getting worse. And then I think I started down the path. It was probably about 2018 that I guess I kind of accepted that maybe something was wrong yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yeah, like maybe I do have something in my brain that needs to be like that. So I remember going to my GP and going, actually, you know, my migraine is uh, not well controlled. Yeah, I think actually previous to that, I might have seen a nutritionist or a dietitian of my own accord or a naturopath. I think I'd already been yeah. down that route, as lots of people with migraine probably do. Mm-hmm. So then I went to, it was about 2018, and I asked my GP to refer me to a neurologist because I was like, actually, maybe I do need you know some more medications because I didn't really want to take medication daily medications but I thought actually yeah. my head isn't so great so in about 2018 I saw my um started seeing my neurologist amazing neurologist up in Auckland and so she started me on a few different preventive medications migraine is I guess tricky in the fact that there's no one treatment like there's obviously no yeah. cure and it's very there's lots of different ways that you can manage it you know you have to manage it through um, medications manage it through exercise manage it through diet I kind of talk about the migraine brain doesn't like change so it's all about kind of routine and we're just kind of hypersensitive to everything really (laughs) so I saw a neurologist yeah 2018 2019 trying to couple of different medications and some of them worked for a little bit and then some of them didn't and it wasn't till about 2020 mm-hmm. and I turned 40 and I was just like actually I'm really sick of this yeah was there ever like a question did the neurologist ever investigate that it could be anything else or was it always very obvious that this was migraine I did she did send me for an MRI mm-hmm. but it was more to rule out anything else okay. migraine doesn't show on MRIs yeah so yeah, I did go for an MRI. She's like, with your family history, with you know the description of everything it is, but we wanted to rule out that it wasn't anything else. So yeah, I did have an MRI, and obviously it came back. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. And so these medications, you mentioned that they worked maybe for a little bit. Yeah, and then stopped working. Okay. Yeah. So that's like lots of medications. So there's lots of preventive medications that. So the ones that we use in New Zealand. So there's there's a whole other issue of medications we don't have okay. um, access to. And <laughs> yep. Why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but the ones that we classically use in New Zealand and are used in other countries as well sometimes as first line mm-hmm. are medications that aren't designed uh, specifically for migraine, but they've been helped right. f- with migraine. So a lot of them are antidepressants kind of used at a lower dose, so amitriptyline and nortriptyline and things like that's that. That's what I'm on. Yeah? I'm on amitriptyline. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's the medication that I went on. So the first preventer she tried me on was amitriptyline mm-hmm. and that worked for a little bit. I slowly increased the dose. I think I started off at 10 milligrams and kind of increased, got up to about 80 or 90 milligrams, worked for a little bit, a few side effects. And then after about a year or so, 
it started wearing off, which it which it does. Yeah. So then you yeah, and then so then you try another one. So I went on um, like beta blockers, like this Candesat, all kind of blood pressure medications mm-hmm. that work slightly differently. Um, I tried a couple of those. I think I went on Candesatin for a little bit and Propranolol for a little bit. No side effects, but really didn't help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my migraine headaches at all. So. Yeah, so lots of different medications that I've tried. When I was reading on your blog, I saw something about the treatment pie yep. from the Migraine yep. Strong yep. team. What is the treatment pie? And is this something that you you use? 100%, yeah. So I guess I, in that when I, back in 2020, when I decided to go, actually, I really need to understand migraine disease better. I really need yeah. to, I'm, I'm sick of this. I need to do everything I can. That's when I started reading everything I can. And that was kind of, you know, over the next couple of years, what's led me to now. And so, yeah, I came across, which is a really good, it was kind of, I guess, things that I knew, but I hadn't seen it written down. And it was Migraine Strong, which is a US website, really good website. And they talk about the treatment pie. And it's kind of saying, migraine, you need to attack migraine you know all the treatments kind of make up one piece of the pie so medications might be one piece exercise sleep supplements I can't remember what the other yeah so there's kind of maybe 10 or 12 pieces of the pie that you really need to integrate into your life to try and manage migraine better yeah that's something yeah huge so I so a couple of about three or four days after I turned 40 in 2020 I gave up alcohol for a year I decided that I wasn't going to drink for a year that alcohol is a big trigger for me like every time kind of I would have you know a drink I'd suffer the next day Yeah. yeah my head didn't like it so I gave up alcohol for a year which has actually turned into two and a half years later I'm still not that drinking yeah kind of get to a year and you go actually I'm quite happy not drinking yeah and like the the benefits don't outweigh 100 yeah. percent. <laughs> and I remember I wrote a blog post about giving up alcohol and I was like man if my 30 year old self <laughs> or even my 20 I was in I lived in London for three years you know yeah. like people have lived in London and I had you know I was in my early 20s and I was single at the time you know I went over with a girlfriend had a wonderful time and I go yeah. god if that girl could see me now at 40 giving up <laughs> alcohol she would be shocked but I guess yeah. that's what I don't know age and a couple of kids and work and a mortgage and all that sort of stuff does yeah. to you like actually you know so yeah the treatment pie I still use um so I guess that kind of helped me accept that I needed to medications need to be a part of it and so that's why I was happy to try these daily preventive medications exercise I'm a huge I walk all the time yeah tramp yeah no exercise is huge I really prioritize going out for a walk most days it's kind of like you know a few years ago I was like I can't really be bothered but now it's like I go yeah because it's just great I do take some supplements I sleep you know, I'm kind of like 9.30, 10, bed every night. Again, imagine telling 30-year-old to go to London there. <laughs> I know. So sometimes my kids are still kicking around at 9.30. I'm like, I'm going to bed. Um, yeah, I guess just it, the way I just had to accept that migraine is with me every day. Yeah. And yeah I just manage it every day. Like so much of my day is focused or so much of my life I guess is, is I've I've tweaked I haven't really changed you know but I've tweaked things just to 
just to manage it and and now I think it's it's definitely paying off yeah I mean knowledge is huge as well and I've I've learned to learned as much as I can and become really involved in in migraine overseas and now New Zealand and yeah just being able to advocate for myself and and I just read as much as I could to kind of understand it and but yeah the treatment pie is a really big part and I mean I probably that's probably a lot of people with chronic illness they know that they have to you know approach it from lots of different angles yeah and it's kind of like everything together as yep. well as medication can yep. actually help the whole picture 100 percent. yeah yeah you were talking about the like preemptive medications yeah is there anything that you can take that will help the pain when an attack is happening yes so these are the triptans medication like so at the moment our new zealand has only got two we've got sumatriptan and risotriptan okay. so those are specific migraine medications you take when you get an attack so i have those can only take those it's kind of a double-edged sword you could probably only take them about 10 days a month because if okay. you take too many then you will get rebound headache and it will make migraine worse I see. <laughs> so um, you kind of have to balance it. They work better if you take it at the very start of an attack. But a lot of people, especially when you get into chronic migraine, every day you go, well, is this going to yeah. be an attack? Yeah. So I do have, so at the moment I'm not on any preventive medication. So I've kind of had a few of them and then I'm in a good space not to have them now. I do have Botox, which is different than cosmetic Botox. It's Botox specifically for chronic migraine so I do have Botox and yeah when I have a migraine attack I usually combine so I'll take a triptan which is usually sumatriptan I combine it with a a metoclopramide which helps to the medication absorb better and Mm -hmm. then I'll often add um, naproxen which is a non-steroidal and kind of just throw everything at the attack very start and I've kind of yeah I've learned that that's the best way to do it and probably wish that I knew that sooner because when I was there's kind of no people do transition over to chronic migraine but they're not quite sure why some people go from episodic to chronic Mm -hmm. there is some school of thought that if you don't treat enough of your attacks you kind of your brain gets used to being in that state and so perhaps if I was younger and if I knew that I should get on to each attack earlier with medication it may have stopped me going into chronic but it may not have because hormones are a big thing as well you know there's so yeah. many things that that can cause migraine that yeah you don't know with these treatments yeah I've got a couple of questions that's Is all right yeah the GP able to prescribe that or do you have to go to your neurologist and are these funded so the uh so the triptan sumatriptan and risotriptan um your GP yeah can prescribe a lot of GPs, so migraine isn't well understood and it's okay. kind of not appreciated as much. And a lot of, well, I know some GPs start prescribing opioids oh. because the opioids shouldn't be used long term for migraine because they can actually make it work uh, worse and people can become dependent on them. So triptans, yes, your GP can prescribe triptans. Two of these that Risotriptan and sumatriptan are funded and available in New Zealand. There's actually seven triptans available worldwide. Okay. So we don't have five of them in New wow. Zealand and we can't even get access to them in New Zealand. So if people wanted to pay privately for them. So they all pretty much work the same. 
two that we have are short acting. Okay. And so I guess the issue is, so we've got five, so five of them globally are short acting. So it means obviously, you know, you might have to take more of them. Yeah. Which then goes into, you know, chronic my if you're taking more, then you yeah. might go into medication overuse. One of them is medium acting and a couple of are longer acting. So people in New Zealand, if they don't have if sumatriptan or risotriptan don't work for them, there's actually nothing else that they can take wow. safely during a migraine. Yeah. yeah, during a migraine attack. So, yeah, very frustrating. And then there's, and we can get into the whole thing of other medications available overseas. So a few years ago, the, well, the last few years have seen these new medications called CGRP monoclonal antibodies, okay. and they are the first medication developed specifically for migraine wow. that can have you know that are, are preventive so we've got the triptans yeah. which are if you have an attack yeah. but all the other medications used to treat migraine are for something would develop for something else mm-hmm. so these new medications actually target a, um, a peptide that is released during a migraine attack so they're they're life-changing and um, they don't work for everyone and I don't think you could just take these medications and forget about all the other things and you treat them by yeah but they're just a better medication so we unfortunately don't have we've got one in New Zealand called Amavig that is available as a $700 injection and you need one injection a month oh my goodness so yeah so and we've got other ones that are coming in but they're all not funded so yeah so there's four available and then there's ones that work similar similarly Larry how do you say that word similarly Similarly. yeah yeah that's a hard word (laughs) they work the same yeah pretty much the same and they're in oral form so there is so in migraine over the last few years there's been huge um, developments in medications but we don't have them so the people people in New Zealand really have the triptans and non-steroidals to take during a migraine attack and preventives that have been developed for other medications unless you want to pay well seven hundred dollars a month for the lower dose but often you might need the higher dose which is about fourteen hundred dollars a month and I guess like some context for people listening that might not understand the stats around people living with migraine in New Zealand it's not like there's only 50 people in the country that experience this like it's upward of seven hundred thousand people right there is a hundred percent yep so there's, we estimate that there's about maybe yeah, 600, we go with 624,000 people yeah. in New Zealand have migraine. But a lot of people aren't diagnosed because a lot of people don't go to their GP to get diagnosed. A lot of people are like me earlier on going, I'm just going, you, you know, I, you don't have a diagnosis. Is. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. And in the, so the New Zealand Health Survey is, seen, is kind of a, a year-round sort mm-hmm. of survey. Migraine hasn't been asked in that survey since 2006, 2007. Okay. So we don't actually know, we don't actually have very good prevalence data in New Zealand about how many people. But yeah, globally, it's like 1 billion people. It's more prevalent than asthma, diabetes, and epilepsy combined. Wow. It causes like the second highest cause of disability worldwide. It's huge, but it's just so under-recognized and people don't think it's a disability. I mean, I don't think, you know, I guess I don't say I live with a disability, but you go, actually, you know, your migraine attacks can, I mean, they don't, yeah, you you can't do anything. You can't work during them. You can't focus. Yeah, it's huge. So yeah, and it's not, it's not, it's not just a few people. No. It's everyone, everyone knows someone 
with migraine. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it's exactly like you say, like everyone knows someone. And when we think of those people, we know because they need to be absent while they're recovering from this attack that they're currently under. And so then I guess you start talking really openly Mm -hmm. about living with this condition. What inspired you to be so open suddenly? Um, Gosh, probably a little bit came with age as well. You know, when you get a little bit older and you go, I don't really care. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I also felt, so I used to be a nurse. I worked as a registered nurse for about 14 years always and I worked at Starship for many years. And now then I became a freelance medical writer, partly because of migraine. I needed to be more flexible. And so when I started learning everything that I could about migraine, everything was overseas yeah and I would just I couldn't believe that there wasn't anything in New Zealand no organization no one talking about migraine in New Zealand and because I was learning so much that I was using day to day and I kind of I guess understood the research understood that because I have a medical background plus I can write yeah I kind of I just felt that I needed to start a conversation start start something in New Zealand start talking about it I guess a little bit selfishly so people, because even, you know, like really good friends when I published the first few blogs, they were, they, you know, they go, oh my God, I didn't realise it yeah. affected you so much. I was really nervous because I didn't want sympathy. Yes, like that was yeah. one thing. I was, I, sp- I wrote about three or four blog posts before I published the blog and I didn't want sympathy because I'm quite a, probably a pragmatic stop person I was a nurse for 14 years I worked with kids yeah there are so much worse things out there (laughs) than migraine but I think that's why we've done ourselves a disservice because people are oh it's just migraine yeah so I just yeah I just decided to get honest and just start writing about it really in the hope that I guess the hope was that I could do something more with it which I've done now but yeah just to start something just to start a conversation in New Zealand and go where I think one of my blogs was like where are all the Kiwis and I was like come on where is everyone like where are all the people with migraine of course then they started coming out of the woodwork yeah and yeah so the response was like I imagine quite overwhelming probably all these yeah it was it was yeah it was um really good you know my friends read the blog and they were like oh you know I didn't realize it affected you this much and I was like, no, no, I don't want your sympathy. Yeah, and yeah. they would, yeah, I'm just like, no, you knew me before, you knew all of this and, and everything. And yeah, and so that just, so I just started writing the blog and then I started a Facebook page, as you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though social media can be a bad, it's kind of like, you know, you start a Facebook page to reach more people. To reach more people, pretty much, yeah. And I mean, now I'm, I'm so thankful that I did because it's led to everywhere that I am now. So launched the blog, started a Facebook page, kept writing the blog, and then it was just a really good platform to start connecting with people overseas yeah so I connected with some people in Australia I began volunteering for Migraine World Summit which Mm -hmm. is a huge online migraine um, event that runs every year so I'm still doing that so I kind of volunteer I'm the co-lead of the copywriting team now and so lead that so that's you know that's the biggest migraine organization so that's huge advocates and organizations and and everything and yeah it just gave me a way in to to migraine 
people in, you know, a couple of people in New Zealand, like the Neurological Foundation, and yeah, just people overseas. Yeah. And then it led to what we've done now, which is just um, about a month ago, I think it was the 1st of April, we launched myself and two other uh, women who have migraine, who I met through the blog, yeah. have launched uh, Migraine Foundation Aotearoa New Zealand, which is New Zealand's only not-for-profit yeah. to support people with migraine. So I guess it probably was in the back of my head when I started the blog a couple of years ago that I wanted to do something. I'd worked in the not-for-profit as a writer, so yeah. I kind of had some experience in not-for-profit and advocacy. I was learning a lot about how Pharmac was funded and the issues with Pharmac and medications and things like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is you know, huge and, you know, a big a big challenge for so many people in New Zealand yeah yeah so it just kind of one thing led to another and yeah now we have a migraine not-for-profit we will work to become a charitable trust you just kind of have to incorporate first and then tick a few more boxes and do do a few more things but um, I've launched that with two other co-founders and um, doctor Dr Um, Fiona Imlach who is an epidemiologist Mm -hmm. based in Wellington so she's all about research she actually contacted me because she was writing her own blog called oh. Tramping with Migraine. So she was walking, um, do you know Tiaroa track, the one that goes from Cape Ranga to Bluff? Yes. Like you walk yeah, the left. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was walking that. So she has migraine and she was walking that wow. over five months and writing about it. And so she kind of contacted me because she found my blog yeah. when she was writing his and she said, like, hey, you might be interested. And I love hiking yeah. so I was just like yeah so I read her blog the whole time and yeah she's a she's amazing and so she had said look if you ever do something kind of take it further or advocacy or something like that I'd really like to be involved yeah. and then Suzanne the other co-founder is originally from Australia and so I've done some volunteer work with Migraine and Headache Australia and also wanted to be involved and yeah we kind of we sat there sat on the back burner for quite a while because it was a huge amount of work mm-hmm. Obviously, we're all volunteers. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, we've got, you know, you've got family and yeah. paid work and all that sort of stuff. Plus, I've got migraine, so I don't like to keep, you know, yeah. I don't like to, I like to keep stress levels, yeah. you know, low. But yeah, no, after um, talking with our the um, founder of the Migraine World Summit, he knew what I wanted to do in New Zealand. And so um, he kind of was like, okay, Sarah, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. It all seems a bit too daunting. <laughs> And he said, well, have you got, you know, the right people around you? He said, if you've got a, could you ask someone to mentor you, which I have. I've mm-hmm. got the, oh, she used to be the chief executive of Cystic Fibrosis New Zealand, who I used to um, write for. Yeah. She's mentoring me and she's involved. And so he kind of said this, you know, you need these sort of people. And I'm yeah. like, actually, I do have those people yeah. around me. And so, yeah, late last year, I think it was about in October, we started putting the wheels in motion to do this. And it just, it's it makes it not makes it all worth it but it kind of goes yes I have migraine but I'm not going to sit around and not feel sorry for you know but I've got to do something with it yeah Yeah. it can't just be a a, there it just kind of you know helps you to maybe it gives you a purpose for having migraine like why have I got migraine maybe it's to you know to to do this so what would be the main 
goals, I guess, of the Migraine Foundation? Like, what are you guys really hoping to achieve perhaps this year or in the next five years? So we've got a three-year plan. Nice. (laughs) But we're starting from scratch, so we've got uh, lots of things. So we've got a few, I guess, pillars that we are working on. The first one is support. So it is just getting a community of people with migraine. So when I started the blog, I also started a private Facebook support group Mm-hmm. that had some people join just a place you know yeah for people to chat like there's ones overseas I belong to ones overseas but you know New Zealand ones so people in New Zealand can ask New Zealand specific questions yeah and get advice so we've built on that so it's support information as well we don't have much New Zealand specific information so as a writer that is my job yes. for my grand foundation yep is um we're doing we're starting a project to have new zealand specific information we also want to work on just understanding i guess the migraine landscape in new zealand better like the prevalence the impacts yeah. all that sort of thing we don't have any data australia has quite good data on how much it costs you know it, it's one of those things with the pharmac isn't funding medication so lots of people with migraine can't work yeah or work effectively but if they funded these medications people would be more effective or, you know it's yeah. that whole thing that you know I'm sure people are very familiar with and your yeah, advocacy and awareness so these CGRP medications that we don't have and aren't funded if no one's championing them if no one's asking about them they won't be funded so we're also going to be working on that as well yeah basically just being a charity uh well not for profit at the moment hopefully charity at some stage for people with migraine you know, giving people with migraine a voice in new zealand yeah. really yeah in simple terms you know because you look at a lot of other conditions that the prevalence is, is lower and there's organizations yeah. supporting them and i would that's why i was just dumbfounded when i really started looking around and there was nothing. There did used to be a New Zealand charity in the 1990s, mm-hmm. early 2000s, and which did some really good work. And then that just slowly kind of wound up. I did reach out to the founder um, who had unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, but I spoke with her daughter mm-hmm. and kind of got an understanding. So there has been in the past, yeah. I guess in the last five or six years, the migraine landscape overseas has changed a lot with these medications. And um, so it was a good time to get involved from, you know, writing a blog a couple of years ago to, yeah. I'm excited for the Migraine Foundation to become a charity. And then one day I'm going to turn on my telly and see someone (laughs) dancing on Dancing with the Stars for Migraine Foundation. (laughs) Migraine Foundation. That would be amazing. That'd that would be, be so amazing. cool. So I know because there are so many people. Like every time we talk about it, yeah, someone always has. Yeah, someone knows someone with migraine, and I think people don't. Uh, yeah, even people with migraine often don't understand how much they they can do to to help. You know, there is a yeah. lot of hope. You know, medications are a big part of it, but there are lots of other things. And but it is hard because, I mean, I've spent so much money on seeing nutritionist you know I've gone down probably what lots of people do you know all your improve your microbiome because it's your gut and your brain and I've tried elimination diets and seen physios had acupuncture you know I've done all of that Mm -hmm. it's a huge journey to kind of yeah understand and work out what works 
for you. And I guess I'm in a privileged position that I've been able to do that yeah. as well. Like, I mean, that all takes money. Exactly. And it all takes time. And yep. it can be really daunting when you're going on that journey and there is no support around you. There hasn't been this like umbrella organization that you've been able to look to. So then yep. I can imagine that, you know, you're spending this money and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like no, yep. no one, there is no one to guide us on this. I know. Yep. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, migraine's not going away. Migraine has yeah. been around. There must be, so migraine has been around for thousands of years. You look yeah. back in the history books and it's always been there. And I go, why is it? There must be, I, I like to think there's something awesome about people with migraine or else our genes would have died out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> but then that doesn't make sense for all the other genetic conditions yeah. that, you know. But I'm like, well, maybe. And there was something that when COVID came out, there was some study that came out and it said maybe people with migraine have a slightly better, like they don't get so affected. I don't know, this was yeah. just like one study. And we were, because um, I still uh, volunteer with the Migraine World Summer, I think my team and I had a bit of a laugh going, oh, well, this is the reason why we've got yeah. migraine because it protects us from a pandemic. <laughs> we'll but, get the last laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you hear about people with, you know, long COVID yeah. and headaches and everything like that. And you're like, okay, maybe it's not quite. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not going away. And I think because it's genetic as well. So I've got yeah. two boys and my eldest is nearly 12. And from my husband's side, he has some migraine genes as well. Okay. He doesn't get migraine as well, but a couple of people in his family do. And so my 12-year-old is going down well hopefully not a similar route um but he does have he does get migraine attacks okay I guess infrequently yeah. and but at the moment has it just controlled with Panadol and he can sleep yeah and it does the prevalence of migraine up until puberty is about the same for boys and girls right. and then women after puberty are affected three times more than wow, men okay. so I'm hoping that when um, he goes through puberty yeah. it might settle down a little bit but there are a lot of men with migraines yeah. so I guess that's a big motivation as well like this is going to be in my family yeah. and it's been in my family for generations so yeah it's motivation to do something start something in New Zealand so and better understand it myself yeah so I understand it so much more now and I understand all the medication options that are available everything that I can do yeah. I guess I, you know because of the work that I do I can read the latest yeah. research and keep up to date which really helps um but yeah hopefully that will help my son as mm -hmm. well how are you doing as Sarah? You are putting all of this energy into helping raise awareness and spread the message and help other people. But I know for myself, living in a constant state of pain does take a mental toll. And I'm curious as to how you approach this mentally or if you've noticed that there have been any challenges with your mental health always experiencing migraine effects. So I think I have been really lucky in that my mental health is really good yeah. because a lot of people can get depression and anxiety with with migraine I have a really supportive family I'm privileged in that I can work flexibly yeah and I think maybe working as an I, I guess putting it down to working as a nurse as well yeah. I think that gets you in a different headspace going there's so many other worse things there's so many people you know worse off I mean, it does wear you down sometimes, especially probably a few years ago. Like I'm a lot better yeah. now, 
I think I've had, I think this month I've probably had four days that I've had to take medication, okay. which is, you know, which is huge. And I'm getting, you know, a few weeks where my head is pretty good. And um, as long as I look after myself, you know, I have yeah. to have to do all of that. I think there's a lot of hope at the moment, people with migraine. Yeah. So yeah, I just, yeah, I, I'm in a good, I'm in a good space, but it's taken a lot of work. Yeah to to get there yeah yeah and I think perhaps that's why I've done what I've done because I've got to give migraine meaning yeah in my life yeah so I'm like uh, yeah okay I've got migraine but what can I do to to make it better and I think that helps as well and that does you know because yeah when you're helping others it does I don't know make you happy it does yeah, yeah. definitely yeah yeah. And I know a lot of people listening, whether they have chronic migraine themselves or if they have migraine attacks or if they have someone in their life that experiences migraine, I'm sure they will have gotten so much out of hearing you talk today. So thank you so much for sharing your story with me and everybody listening. I will make sure to include all of the information in the show notes and over on social media so everyone can connect with you and connect with the Migraine Foundation here in New Zealand for more information. And I guess watch this space because it sounds as though the landscape is just evolving and changing. And I'm going to cross all my fingers that Pharmac (laughs) just, you know, pulls it together and funds some of these medications. Yeah, and the government funds Pharmac, so Pharmac can fund the medication. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great to finally connect and, yeah, be able to share my story of migraine and, yeah, hopefully help other people. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic. Dropping into your headphones every Tuesday is honestly such a joy and I'm so happy to have you here. Don't forget to check out the show notes or at That's So Chronic on Instagram for links to everything that we talked about today. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with someone who you think would enjoy it as well? Because like Sarah said, we all know someone who experiences migraine attacks. Sharing the episode as well as giving the show a five star review and pressing follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts really helps more people find That's So Chronic to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly, hope. Have a great week.